Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to what is in fact not at all Season 2 of the Digital Distillery Podcast. But don't worry, because Season 2 is shaping up to be an absolute monster, with Digital Distillery events numbering in the double digits being planned all around the world for 2023. With the whole team currently buzzing around spreadsheets trying to figure out how on earth myself and the rest of the global content team are going to manage being in Berlin, Paris, Amsterdam all at once. Spoiler, we can't, but I am confident that people much smarter and more organised than me, and with somewhat alarming feelings towards spreadsheets, looking at you, Steffi, I'm insanely in love with colour-coded spreadsheets, will be able to figure it all out. Currently, I'm trying to put together some behind-the-scenes type audio to give you a sneak peek into the makings of a digital distillery, but so far no one's answering my emails, leaping at the opportunity to be on the mic. Come on guys, you're killing me here. Anyway, back to why I'm here at all, still in the past, in season one of the show, and that is because shortly after releasing our final full episode for this season, my absolute favourite by the way, I heard from the inimitable man himself, the delightful Thomas Koch, who agreed to meet me online and let me pick his brains on some of the juicier topics from his fantastic talk in Vienna. And after just a small amount of gushing. But I just wanted to say as well, I, I really enjoyed your talk. I thought it was so refreshing. We started to talk about how he turned the, up until then, entirely digitally focused conference on its head. Which is necessary because um, uh, all of the digital natives, most of them are doing a pretty good job and uh, I, I very well know what they're doing because I'm still part of the advertising industry and and, um, in in charge of beautiful campaigns. What they don't have is experience, Uh, experience with the old media and the the challenge to build a mix out of uh, analog and digital media, traditional and digital media. it's it's completely impossible for them because they don't know what a newspaper is. They don't know how television works. But these media still are responsible for two-thirds of our media consumption. So they're, they're not gone. <laughs> and that, that's what makes it a challenge, and that's what makes it very, very interesting uh, field of work. And um, so I, I try to help where I can. <laughs> and you may remember from Mr. Cox's talk that 2050 is the year touted as being the point in which we can fully begin to rely on computers for our digital media needs. Or can we? And what about after that? Will analogue media persist? Or will it simply be replaced? In, in, in some ways, things do not change. If you take a look at everybody saying television is dead, um, so people are streaming. What What is the fucking difference between switching on a TV set or, or switching on your computer and, and streaming Netflix. There's no difference. It's, it's the same kind of consumption. And um, if, if you say, okay, the big difference is that television is funded by advertising and Netflix is not, no. I mean, take a look at product placement on Netflix. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's, it's full of advertising. <laughs> so uh, there isn't that much of a, of a difference. So what will change? Um, one, one thing will change, a print will change naturally, because we, we're not going to consume what we read uh, on, on print. Even in t- 2050, we'll, we will have books. Uh, we will have a few magazines, um, but uh, there will be only a few, few left. The, the rest is then, then, then digital naturally. 
Actually, this isn't a surprise to me. In the last decade, we've seen a rise in vinyl, for example, or in the audio world, there's still huge demand for analogue equipment. Take a look at books. The consumption of books has hardly changed in in the past 20 years. Um, It's because the way we read books reading reading a book online is 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 so completely different um it, it's not what people uh, want to get used to i mean if if you if you usually take eight books with you on a one week vacation um yeah that that's a bit too heavy you you, you might like to <laughs> download them <laughs> that that's where it comes to to the practical use but reading a book a, a paper book is a wonderful way of deep diving into into content as as we call it yeah um the, it is not changing i mean take take a look go to the beach <laughs> and see who's reading a a, a, a paper book 99% are young and old it's what i call it is the best of both worlds uh, there are there are things we use digitally um where the function is a lot better than than it ever was before uh, so use it if 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 something tra- traditional or in, in the analog media uh, was better than than it is at, at the present then do what you want i mean <laughs> isn't it wonderful to have a world like this where you can use everything as you wish as thomas alluded to earlier in the conversation TV is an oft-raised example of how digital is killing analogue. But we need to decide what we're actually talking about here. Are we talking about the way the users interact with the technology, think differently about it, or are we really just talking about the back end, so to speak? And if so, why? Why does it matter what's behind the curtain if the show out the front is the same? It's, it's, t- TV is evolving, uh, but not changing. The, the way we consume... Um, movies and films and and, and and content like that uh, is is not really changing it's the same with 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 audio radio consumption hasn't changed a bit um what we're doing is i mean we're, we're doing a podcast at podcast at the moment um uh, podcast is adding to the way we used radio in the past but it it's not changing the way we use radio that's what I what I love about the digital world. Um, it gives us more than we had in, in 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 the past, but people don't change that fast. I mean, um, scientists are telling us that our brain has not evolved during the past three hundred thousand years. <laughs> This appears to be true. A study I read recently suggested that if a baby were to be taken from, say, 20,000 years ago through time somehow, casually ignoring the time dilation and spaghettification that this act may induce, and left bundled, cooing at the doorstep of a modern family, they could grow up to be indistinguishable from those around them, both in their mental capacity and their behaviour. thought it was interesting. That, that's why things are not changing that much, and that's why the... The traditional media world um, isn't that bad off at the moment. It's uh, print is, is slowing down. Um, radio hasn't changed. Um, outdoor advertising is booming uh, with with paper and with digital um, um, functions. Um, TV isn't changing that much, but the, the, the use of digital media 
is 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 evolving on top of that. And that that's what's beautiful about the the world we're in. We, uh, I'm, an, I'm a media planner. Uh, I have never had so many media at my disposal for any kind of work I have to do with them. It's 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 wonderful. Okay, good. That settles it then. Digital, if used thoughtfully for what it's best at without unnecessarily shirking the old analogue ways, is all sunbeams and puppies. But what about all the bad stuff? If you recall in the main episode with Mr Koch, he talked about a campaign that he and a colleague had launched called Stop Funding Hate, which sounds pretty serious, and to be fair, it kind of is. So I asked Mr Koch about what prompted the need for such an initiative. The problem is is rather rather easy to describe. Uh, in the past, we selected target groups uh, like young men um, or, or professionals or whatever, um, and then searched for media with which we could we could um, uh, approach them. Okay, so you would identify a particular target group first and then determine the media that suits that group and your needs as an advertiser. In, in the digital world, this has changed. Um, we don't search for media anymore. We tell, we tell the gadgets we want to reach young men or young professionals. The, the programmatic array uh, delivers us this target group, wherever these people are wherever, whatever kind of media they, they, they use. Which means a, a German campaign approaching young men, um, if, if you adjust your, 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 your computer uh, not, not correctly, um, all of a sudden you reach young, young terrorists <laughs> because they use media. And um, yes, maybe they, they might even be interested in, in, in um, buying a Mercedes-Benz, whatever. The, the, the target group is searched for by programmatic um, um, devices. And uh, that makes, makes the media approach of target groups completely different. Um, we don't care what kind of media they use. Now we have to learn that we do care. Marketing has to learn that uh, it is responsible for what it is doing. Um, this wasn't necessary in the past because um, like American advertisers would never uh, advertise on TV um, where, when sex is involved. They, they always told us no sex, no, no, no breasts, nothing of that kind. Um, no, no matter what, they felt that kind of responsibility. So we avoided sex on, on, on television. We did that. We have to learn to do the same thing in, in, in digital media. We are responsible for the websites we are advertising on. We have to decide uh, if we want to advertise on um, right websites, like um, Oh, there are there are dozens in in the United States. Uh, it, take a look at a, a website like Bearing Arms. Bearing Arms is the website of the National Rifle Association. Headlines on beararms.com at the time of recording in this episode include: Mass Shootings Prevention Act won't stop killers but will crush civil rights. Florida shooting shoots holes in gun control case, and Nigerian immigrant wants gun control. Here's why she's wrong. 
as well as a helpful and friendly reminder that while it's great to shoot guns to celebrate New Year's Eve, one should refrain from firing too many shots straight up into the air. You have to decide if you want to place your advertising on a website like that. No matter who uses a website, it might be your target group. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's fine. Uh, but you have, as a marketer, you have to decide where you wish to advertise and if you, are, uh, if you feel responsible. Right. So what was it that changed the game? It's the fault of programmatic. If, if we're searching for somebody who's, <laughs> whose fault it is. Um, what, what the advertisers naturally do is they, they, they use blacklists nowadays. This is something we talked more about in our ad fraud and brand safety episode, by the way. Uh, the advertisers and their, and their media agencies. So they would use a list um, of websites they do not wish to advertise on um, and uh, give the programmatic system the information um, that ads are not supposed to be delivered uh, to these websites. This doesn't work. Um, th- these people are clever. They, they depend on our advertising money. Uh, some of these websites have been built just to attract advertising money. Um, so, so they're clever enough to find ways. <laughs> There's one example I, I love. Um, uh, everybody knows the Washington Post. The Washington Post is one of the most asked for newspapers in the world. It has, a, it's wonderful. Um, no problem advertising there. There, There is a website called Washington Times, which is very rightish. No advertiser in the world would ever want to advertise there. Um, but the agencies are, um, are fooled by the name. Um, Washington Times delivers a lot of advertising they shouldn't be. And that means means money for them. They 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 earn millions of dollars on that on stuff like that. Okay, so that's the problem. But what actually is stop funding hate, and how is it attempting to address it? It started when I met with uh, Michael Morantonio in 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 Switzerland. Um, he is a data forensic guy, um, a, a real expert on 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 digital stuff, a lot more than I am. And um, he, he has a lot of experience with media agencies. Uh, he he um, worked on the client side as a, as a media manager. And what he does now is he does um, media controlling for digital campaigns. I, I met him and, and um, he, he showed me an ad for Volkswagen that was placed on Breitbart. Breitbart News Network is an American far-right syndicated news, opinion and commentary website founded in mid-2007 by American conservative commentator Andrew Breitbart. Breitbart News's content has been described as misogynistic, xenophobic and racist by academics and journalists. Thank you, Wikipedia. And uh, I said to him, um, listen, I'm going to inform Volkswagen that they are advertising on Breitbart. I'm quite sure they do not wish to do that. And what I did is uh, I, I made a Twitter post out of it. Uh, I wrote that, dear Volkswagen, um, I was very kind, um, <laughs> dear marketing people at, at Volkswagen, um, you are advertising on Breitbart with the German advertising. Um, please check it if you really want to do that. That hit <laughs> hit the fan. <laughs> um, this 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 one post because uh, a whole lot of media in Germany took the news like Spiegel, <laughs> um, and and all of a sudden Volkswagen was in real trouble. 
they got in, in, in touch with me. They, they told me that naturally they do not wish to uh, advertise on Breitbart and they do not wish to, to, to funnel their money, uh, their, their advertising money in, in, into a website like that. Uh, so they tried to stop it. So Michael had been had been searching the web um, for for Swiss advertisers on specific uh, websites that belong to let, let's say political right, and uh, I started to do the same in, in in Germany. And after a year, then we did the same in in Austria because we were asked to do so. And um, after a year, we had one thousand five hundred advertisers. Uh, with their campaigns coming from Germany, 700 from Switzerland and 300 from from Austria, advertising on websites like Breitbart. And that, um, let's say, made something conscious that hadn't been conscious um, in in, in the past. Because nobody was really controlling where the advertising money uh, is delivered to. So after this result with Volkswagen, Thomas Koch and Michael Morantonio went one step further. What we did is we addressed the the companies and asked them to stop to not not to stop their advertising. And we're we're, we're not the internet police. <laughs> we we just uh, showed them what they are doing and asked them to check if they wish to do so. Like I said, we had we had two and a half thousand different advertisers uh, in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria that we identified. On, on these websites. What happened is that naturally some of the advertisers um, reached out to us, got in touch with us and um, asked for screenshots and stuff like that and, and tried to stop. In, in Germany, 16% of the identified advertisers got in touch w- with us. Is this good news or is this bad news? Uh, 16% is not very much. Um, of these 16%, who got in touch with us and expressed, no, they do not wish to advertise on websites like this. Uh, they do not want to finance hate or, or fake news uh, in, in this way. Um, 40% were not capable of stopping their, their campaigns on these websites. Bloody hell. Right. So what we have here is we have not enough controlling. There's no controlling to show the advertisers where they are, are advertising. And if they find out that something is going wrong, uh, the the techniques of digital advertising are not capable of stopping the campaign there. This is a disaster because it means uh, that advertisers do not hold the consequences of, of their doing in, in the digital world. They're not capable of doing so. So if blacklisting isn't as effective as we thought, what can advertisers actually do? Well, it, it, it's a return to media planning. Uh, if I tell a computer I want to reach young professionals um, and the computer does my job of media planning and, and, and delivering the ads where the target group uh, is supposed to be, that's giving the a machine the responsibility over media planning. Um, so this doesn't seem to work very well. What we need is, uh, I, I just mentioned blacklists, what we need is whitelists. We need to tell the computer on which websites do I wish to advertise. And, and that's a return to media planning. De- deciding uh, where, what kind of media does my target group uh, use, 
and placing my advertising there. Um, it, it might be a mixture of both, uh, of, of blacklists and whitelists, of media planning by, by, by people and media planning by machine. What we need is we need, we need a, a consciousness of what we're doing. We, we, everybody's talking about responsible media uh, uh, nowadays. It, 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 it's, a, it's a huge thing. Um, what we, 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 we haven't delivered the tools to the market, how to be responsible for, 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 for media spending. Uh, we have to learn that. And I think we, Michael and I, did help the industry to become conscious of what is what is happening, and um, others will will have to be held responsible for the tools that that are implemented. I can't do everything. I mean, <laughs> we're always very fast in changing um, things. It doesn't always work. We if if we give a machine one hundred percent responsibility over what we are doing in this case how we are delivering advertising um no it doesn't work so change it again make people responsible again thank you for checking in with us on this extra special special episode of the digital distillery podcast i've had such a great time doing this season and this year is shaping up to be even better as we evolve the concept of the show experiment with some video and attend and get content from such a huge number of these events that we'll be hosting and bringing to you right here on the podcast as for the tdd podcast network we've been all very busy in the background with our other shows including this week's discussion on measurement standardization in the industry on our uk-based show just for context we interviewed the CEO and the global advisor for carbon intelligence platform Sadara that will come out next week on our Green About Media show. And if that wasn't enough, we'll be launching no less than two brand new shows over the next few months, including one hosted by the enigmatic Nadia Koski, focusing on women in leadership. You can find all our other shows wherever you found this one. And as always, you can contact us on the socials or at podcasts at the-digital-distillery.com or visit the Digital Distillery website. I'm so excited for a big content-filled year ahead, and I look forward to having you all along for the ride. Finn. Fa. I don't know about that one. I'll have to check with Ira. <laughs>